I recently watched one of uh, Simon Sinek's videos, and in that video, he made the point that trust is more important than performance. Now, I agree with a lot of what he says, but not with this statement, not that trust is more important than performance. In this episode, I will give you two reasons why I so strongly disagree with this statement, but also, given the trust is relative, how do you balance these two? Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? In that video, what he says is that he had this conversation with the SEAL team and that they defined, uh, they, they drew a chart for him and they defined performance on, on one axis and um, uh, they showed trust on the other axis and they referred to performance as performance on the battlefield, uh, what's called downrange, and trust as the performance off the battlefield. So he draws this, this chart and... Uh, he said, you know, the, the performance is, uh, I trust you with my life that's on the battlefield. Trust is, I trust you with my money and my wife off the battlefield. Now, uh, I agree with him that uh, nobody wants this low performance, low trust person on their team. Someone who's incompetent, whose performance is very bad, and somebody that you can trust. Now, I, I agree with him that... Everybody wants this person who is high performance, high trust on their team. That's that's clear. But then he makes this statement. He says, and this is word for word. This is the direct quote from a transcript of uh, that talk. He said, they would rather have a medium performer of high trust, sometimes even a low performer on high trust. That's a direct quote. This is what I don't agree with. Here is why. I don't know what SEAL team he talked to, and, and it doesn't matter. I, I, I trust that he did talk to a SEAL team, and that's that's kind of what they said. I'm not sure how well thought was that uh, when when it was said, and, uh, and if this is a direct representation of what they feel. But I interviewed a SEAL team member for the Book of Trust, and uh, I served myself in a, uh, an infantry unit for the Israeli Defense Forces in 35th Airborne. Let's say that you and I are on this team. And, and remember, when I talked about the size of teams, there's a reason why four or five uh, people are um, uh, an ideal number. And this is why a SEAL team, typically the team that goes out to the field is, is this small. You and I are on this team. It's very small. We're out on a mission. I am the sniper. My job is to find people who are trying to kill you. Being high performer or having high performance means that I would take, if I can see somebody who's about to shoot you or throw grenades or anything else, I will take them out with the first shot. 
with my first bullet, I will take them out and protect you because you do trust me with your life. Low performance means that I would miss, that I would not get that person. Medium performance means that I would not take them out with the first shot or the first shot is not going to kill. It's only going to wound them, wound them, uh, or I'm going to take them out with the second or the third shot, which, by the way, exposes you because now they're aware of, of your presence. So let me ask you a question. The fact that you can trust me off the battlefield, to use Simon Sinek's words, you can trust me with your money and your wife. Is that good enough uh, if I will not be able to take this person who's trying to shoot you in on the battlefield with the first bullet and, and really save your life? Is this really something that you're willing to compromise? But you know what? Let me take it a step further. Uh, so, you know, we talked about Navy SEALs or, or in the military. Uh, how about on an airplane? What if I'm your pilot? And uh, I'm very trustworthy when I'm outside of the cockpit of this airplane. You can trust me with your money. You can trust me with your wife. You can give me money and I am guaranteed to return it back to you. You can trust me. I'm very trustworthy outside of the cockpit. Inside of the cockpit, I'm not that great. Actually, I'm pretty good. 99 out of 100 landings are perfect. One out of 100, I tend to crash the plane on landing. That's, that's not low performer. That, I would say, is, is a pretty good performer, actually. Not the best, pretty good. 99 out of 100 uh, landings are okay. Are good. This just one that, that I crash. Are, are you willing to, to compromise? Uh, are you okay with that? Because, remember, we're, we're balancing this against uh, my trustworthiness outside of the cockpit, which is uh, perfect. It's just on the cockpit, just and it's just that one landing. And before you answer that, I read the NTSB, the National, National Transportation Safety Board review of the 1987 crash of Continental Airlines Flight 1713. You may want to ask, well, you can't obviously ask the 25 passengers who were killed, both pilots were killed and one other crew member were killed, but you can ask some of those who survived that, and by the way, it's not me saying that, it's the NTSB's report that identifies specifically the co-pilot who was flying the plane at that time as the reason why that plane crashed. 25 passengers killed both pilots and one additional crew member, and quite a few were, were injured. If that co-pilot is perfectly trustworthy outside of that cockpit... Was it okay that he was a low performer? And that's, again, that's what the NTSB said, that he was a low performer in the cockpit. Because obviously he did not do that takeoff well. I'll give you a third one, and I promise that that would be the end of it. Uh, surgeon. A surgeon who is highly trustworthy outside of the operating room. Just have a... Uh, somewhat high mortality rate or patient mortality rate in his operating room. Is that okay? Because, you know, again, if, if I take Simon Sinek's words uh, verbatim, 
then we would, uh, what, what were his words? They would rather have a medium performer of high trust, sometimes even a low performer of high trust. So they're very trustworthy outside of their performance. Are you okay with low performers? On the battlefield, from a sniper, in the cockpit by the pilot, or in the operating room by the surgeon? I didn't think so. So that's why that's the first reason of why I disagree with that statement that he made. I promised you two reasons. So here's the second one. The second one goes into my model of trustworthiness. What is it that makes a person trustworthy or make other people trust them? And to me, that model is made of six components grouped in in two groups one group is the who you are and the other is the what you do the who you are is what do you know about a person before you make that decision to trust them before you even interact with them the what you do is what do they do during an interaction with you so we're going to leave that one out because typically your decision on whether you trust somebody to take them on the battlefield with you, board a plane when they're the pilot or go into an operating room when they're going to be the surgeon, that decision is made before the interaction. So let's focus on those three components, the who you are. Who you are is made of three things, competence, personality compatibility, and symmetry. Now, symmetry is really given by the situation. And uh, you, you don't have a lot of control over it. You know, when, when there's a surgeon and, and you're the patient or you're a passenger and there's a pilot, there, there is not a lot of symmetry in your relationship. You know, they, they're flying the plane. They're operating on you. You're, you're a pretty passive, reactive uh, element in that interaction. Personality compatibility is more of a decision. Do, do, we, uh, do we share values? Some of them are pretty universal and absolute, such as telling the truth, caring about me, and so on. Some of them are less uh, universal or absolute. They're more just different. You know, there's not good and bad here, like procrastination or um, risk profile versus risk risk averseness, uh, uh, being risk averse versus uh, being uh, risk tolerant or, or even just preferring risk to take risk, risk takers. Uh, and then there's competence. And to me, performance is part of competence. And many of the approaches to trust today look at things like competence. Competence is pretty common to almost all of them. And they look at it as somehow, you know, cumulative. So we, we can calculate the average. And so... If you be if you're a zero on competence, have very low competence, very low performance to use the same word. But you can compensate for that with high personality compatibility, which I guess is is really what Simon Sinek was thinking about when he said trust. It's that personality compatibility part or symmetry. So the other components can compensate for the lack of competence. I don't believe so. If somebody has zero competence, but very high on personality compatibility and symmetry is perfect, I wouldn't give that person a high grade. Uh, 
You know, if the zero, one, and a one, the average of them is like 67%. I wouldn't say that this is a 67%. This is a zero person, zero trustworthiness person, because they're completely incompetent. So because of that, I look at the relationship between the three components as the product of the three components. So you multiply them. And this way, if you get zero on any of them or or a very low score on any of them, the overall score is going to be very low. If it's a zero, zero times whatever is still going to be a zero. The only problem I have with the product is what happens if you're 50% on all three of them? So you're 50% on competence, you're 50% on personality compatibility, 50% on symmetry, whatever the the specific items are that, that let you assess that component, you would guess that you would want a result that is somewhat in the neighborhood of 50%, right? And if you multiply 50% by 50% by 50%, you actually get 12.5%. If you multiply half by half by half, you get one eighth. And that's a little misleading. So I added one more thing on top of it, and that is the cubic root of that product. So if you take the cubic root of competence times personality compatibility times symmetry, and all three of them, well, if any of them is zero, you're still going to get a zero. If all three of them are one, you're still going to get a one. But if all three of them are 50%, the result is actually 50%. So the second reason why I disagree with that really trade-off between personality, uh, between competence or or performance, as as Simon Sinek referred to it, uh, and trust is because, to me, performance or competence is part of trust. You can't take this out. You can't have someone who is a very low performer, but very trustworthy. Definitely not in the context of what you need them to do. That's the second reason why I disagree with that statement. My third point has nothing to do with agreeing or disagreeing. It's just that I want to remind you that trust is relative. Trust is relative. It is not absolute. It is not universal. And so I have the eight laws of trust. I I, want to talk about the first three. Trust law number one, trust is continuous. It is not binary. So when you say that you trust someone outside of the battlefield, and and I have to say that the graph that that Simon Sinek was showing does indicate that that it is uh, continuous, that that it's not... um, Binary that, that it's not that we trust someone or we don't. It's just a matter of how much do we trust them. Are they high on trustworthiness or low on trustworthiness? So that's that's the first law. So we need to remember that there is a level of trust. And we actually set the bar on how much we're willing to trust the other person. Or how much do we need to trust the other person to feel that we have enough trust, to feel safe rather than feel in danger. If somebody we don't trust somebody as high as the bar that we need to trust them at, then um, we feel danger. But if we can trust them higher than that bar, then we feel safe. So that's one. The second is the trust is contextual. You know, it's not like there are only three things, even though, again, if I go back to his video, uh, he gives... uh, 
I trust you with my life on the battlefield and off the battlefield with my money or my wife. Well, maybe I can trust you with my money, but not with my wife. Maybe I can trust you with my wife, but not with my money. Maybe I can trust you, if I go back to the first law, maybe I can trust you with $20, but not with 1000 Maybe I can trust you with 20 and with 1000 but not with a million. So uh, trust is contextual. That's the second law of trust. It is contextual, and that means that uh, I can't take how much I trust you in one area or in one context and apply it to another context. These are different contexts. I have different levels of trust in the same person in different contexts. You may not trust me as a pilot, but you may trust me as a sniper. You may trust me as a sniper, but not trust me as a surgeon. Different levels. So you can't you can just um, generalize whether you trust the person or not. It has to be contextual. And finally, it's personal. Uh, and and by when I say personal, when you look at yourself at your own trustworthiness, you can't look at your trustworthiness using your own eyes. You have to look at your trustworthiness through other people's eyes. And I told you the story of uh, the rate my professors, how I had two students sitting at the same classroom, taking the same class from me at the same time. One of them gave me a five out of five in rate my professors. The other gave me one out of five. It's just because one person really resonated with what I had in my style and the other did not. Same applies to trust. One person would trust you, another person would not. The the funny thing is that one person may trust you or, or even trust you a lot for exactly the same reason why another person will not trust you. And I gave you a couple of examples, like uh, whether you are a procrastinator or not. And you know by now that I don't think that being a procrastinator is a bad thing. Uh, being a procrastinator, I, I don't stress when, when I get near a, a deadline. In fact, my best work is done in the last hour before a deadline. The last changes I make to a presentation before I go on stage and present to maybe 2,000 people, the last changes typically happen in the last 20 minutes. Doesn't make me a bad person, but somebody who must do everything the moment they get this because they stress out of uh, uh, deadlines and they always worry that things might change and all of a sudden life happens, that's valid point too. But someone like that would not trust a procrastinator. So trust is relative. The third law of trust is that trust is personal, which means that you cannot just say I or work towards being trustworthy by everybody. You have to be trusted by a specific person that you want to or need to be trusted by, typically because there is a relationship of dependency between them and you. Because trust is relative. This is it. This is uh, the issue that I had with uh, that video by Simon Sinek. Maybe it's just a matter of communication. I didn't really understand the point that he was making. But since a friend sent me that video and he said, look, you know, trust is more important than competence. And he thought that I'm going to get, get very excited because that just validated why I'm spending so much time and effort and energy working on trust. My reaction, I guess, was not what he expected because my reaction was, this is incorrect. This is not true. Trust is not more important than performance. 
I hope that made sense. Thank you for listening. This was a short episode. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.